Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Today's scripture comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 30. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let me pray for us. God, we give you thanks for who you are today for all that you've been doing in our lives and all that you're going to continue to do. You are a faithful God and you have not failed us yet. And God, we hope in you and we ask, just as we asked earlier, that you would reveal yourself to us in a new way, that you would do something new in us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the messengers that you have called out to speak to us today. And I just pray that we'd be open to hear from them. We pray for Jamie and Jamie, that you'd give them boldness, that you'd give them... Um, just a sensitivity to you today as they share and as we learn from them. And God, as a church, just lead us. Lead us out further into, into faith, into boldness. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Hi, guys. Um, I just want to make a shout out to my husband, Dave, who made that. That was pretty epic. Yeah. Um, okay, so this mic is really interesting because I'm super short. Um, <laughs> No, it's okay. This is good. Oh, okay. That's even better. Um, okay, so my name is Jamie. I'm one of the leaders here in the church. And today I have the privilege of sharing with you guys about the spiritual gift of intercessory prayer. Um, we've been going through a series on spiritual gifts, and we've ha I've had the privilege of listening to everyone share about their gifting. And it's been such a blessing and it's been so cool to see how we're all designed so perfectly to love so deeply um, and what's cool about this is that even though we're all so different um, it's one spirit and one God um, and we're one body so that's so cool um, so without further ado let's put up the definition on spiritual gift of intercessory prayer so, um, it is the spiritual capacity to demonstrate God's fatherhood by praying for extended periods of time on a regular basis and seeing frequent and specific answers to prayer to a degree greater than the average Christian experience. It's like a really epic definition. <laughs> um, okay, so in this definition, I feel like demonstrating God's fatherhood is so key. Um, interceding really takes on the Father's heart and love and care for people through prayer. So um, as I continue speaking, I just want you guys to put that on your minds to really think about having the Father's heart. 
Um, so a couple months ago when uh, Mike emailed me and asked me to share about the gift of intercessory prayer, I was in shock because I didn't know that this is a gift that I had. So I was like, seriously, really? I didn't know that I had that. So that was really, really interesting. And from that point until like a couple weeks ago, I was struggling and wrestling with whether or not this gift really was something I had. And what was really encouraging was that my community affirmed me in this gifting, which was so cool because every other gift that I thought that I had was through self-reflection and, you know, those gifting tests. So um, I just want to encourage some of you who are wrestling with this and unsure of your spiritual gifts to um, go to your community and the people who are closest to you and ask them, you know, what is it, uh, what do they think that you have? And um, yeah, so I just really want to encourage you guys to do that. So um, let's just move on to uh, what it looks like to operate in this gift. Um, yeah, so um, prayer comes naturally to you. You're capable of praying for long periods of time and maybe even several hours a day and you think that's normal. That's hilarious. Um, you're prompted to pray often. When something bad happens, your first instinct is to pray. Um, you have specific burdens for specific people or groups to pray for. This is for me, um, victims of sex trafficking is a huge one. Um, right now, maybe you guys have a heart for St. Jamestown. Um, or maybe it doesn't have to be just people who don't know Jesus. It could also be for your church. And that's something that um, I'm really passionate about praying for. Um, so that's really cool. Something I want to highlight is that intercessory prayer is not the gift of praying out loud. Um, with fancy words and elaborate prayers. So this is important to me because I was, this is kind of why I thought I didn't have this gift because I didn't, I didn't think that I had fancy prayers um, and that um, I was not so confident and secure about praying out loud all the time. Um, but I've realized that, you know, it's um, God's just building that gift in me. Um, so you may be praying privately and still interceding for people. So um, the fact that you haven't prayed for the person um, in person doesn't mean, doesn't disqualify you from having this gift. Um, but I would like to encourage you to step out in faith and pray for people in person. Not because it makes it any more legit or magical. It's just, it's really a great way to bless people. And just to, there's so much power and beauty in um, having you know, brothers and sisters in Christ meeting with the Lord together. Um, so it's a great way to love your community. Um, so last one, um, you believe in the power of prayer. So some things that you would believe, you believe with certainty that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you. You know with that we have authority to speak life over death. In Jesus' name, you can cast out darkness because we're the light of this world. And intercessors run to put on the armor of God and stand on the victory of Christ. These are truths that jive with you. You just love it and like you're all about it. And when you pray for people, these are some truths that you stand on. And I really feel like intercessors are super passionate about these truths. So, so what does it look like to operate in this gift as you follow um, Jesus at TLC? So some of the more tangible ways to operate in this gift at TLC is joining the prayer team. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about what the prayer team looks like at our church. Um, if you want to talk to me about that after, I'm totally glad to talk to you about that. Um, but um, for me, probably the best way to practice in this gift is to just allow prayer to be in your community. Um, you know, you can, when you guys hang out, pray. Um, when you're praying for somebody, call them and pray for them um, because that's really how we cultivate the culture of prayer in our church and God calls the church to be the house of prayer. So I would really encourage you guys to just um, be comfortable and like bring prayer into your relationships. Um, so a couple months ago, um, 
we were at Jarvis, and Mike was using um, his spiritual gift of wisdom and teaching, um, and he touched on the subject of binding and loosing things. Um, some of you were probably there, and you guys remembered that Emily stepped out in obedience and faith and came up and encouraged our church to loose good things into our lives and into this world. And for me, in that moment, um, the word freedom just like popped in my head. It was like, boom. And for me, I was, I was just um, praying about asking God, like, who's this word for? You know, is it for me? Is it for Dave, my husband? Or is it for the church? And then God was like, it's for Mike. And I was like, Ugh. Uh, I super hesitated because he's so wise and he has the gift of wisdom and teaching. And I just felt insecure, like maybe um, what, what can I encourage him with? And then Michelle stepped up and she came over to me and started praying for me. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And then she was like praying that um, my gifts would empower others and release people. And in that moment, I was like, okay, God, you're clearly speaking to me. And he was encouraging me to see that the encouragement that I offer to people is not for myself. It's from God. And so it would be disobedient for me to not allow him to move through me. Um, so I hesitated a little bit more. And this is during worship and song. So you know when you worship in song, it's, it's like a really private moment and it's super intimate. But I felt like the Lord was like, all right, go approach Mike. So I approached him. And I remember he kind of gave me a, a look and he was like, uh, okay, this is like in the moment of a super intimate time and you want to pray for me. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. So um, I prayed for him and I prayed the word freedom over him. And what's really cool is that when Emily encouraged our church to loose things into the world, the word freedom was for them as well, um, which is so cool. And really it was about the freedom to be themselves and use their gifts, uh, which actually led them to the series. Um, and also freedom to love and lead the church the way God created them and to not be held captive by differences in leadership style and cultural differences. Um, so that was so beautiful and I think that was a really good example of how we all used our spiritual gifts and our giftings to um, work together and like build the body you know Mike used his gift Emily stepped out in faith Michelle prayed for me and I prayed for Mike and it was just a really cool example of how we can all gather and um, really build each other up through our gifts so that was really cool um yeah, so let's move on to how I can develop in this gift. Okay, so practicing the spiritual disciplines of fasting, meditation, silence, solitude, journaling, and self-examination. So self-examination, I think, is huge um, because when you are an intercessor, you tend to think of other people um, and you forget about yourself. And I think it's so important to be self-aware and, you know, really seek the Lord in your personal relationship with him and cultivate that and really remember that you too have needs and you have things to pray for as well um, and that you have a place to ask God to seek to seek him and show his glory to you um, so I really want to emphasize self-examination so another thing you can do is pray regularly with and for your church and its leaders um, and praying for your leaders is huge um, I'm well aware that I'm one of the leaders. I'm not, yeah. So, um, but it's huge because our leaders carry so much with them. And I think it's huge to bless them and carry them um, so that they're not carrying the church on their own, but that we're actually serving them. Um, so that's huge. Um, another thing is to pray for others in their presence, uh, sharing your prayers with others, making yourself available to pray for others, 
And lastly, but not least, studying the accounts of intercession in scripture. So we have Abraham, Moses, Hannah, Jesus. Um, those are, they all interceded differently, um, but it was all under having, you know, the Father's heart, and it was so beautiful. Um, so I would really look into not just one of them, but all of them, and really reflect on what it looks like and what that means for you. Um, another, so moving on, um, number three, uh, what are some things to be careful of when I operate in this gift? All right, let's do this. Oh my goodness. Okay, so the first one, tendency to judge other people's prayer journey. This is so convicting for me because um, I don't outright and be like, oh, like what's wrong with them? Like they suck. It's nothing like that. It's more like this, you know, subtle um, way where I'm just starting to question like what's, why don't they have stronger spiritual disciplines of prayer? Um, specifically, I do this with Dave <laughs> because he's closest to me and I'm like, what's wrong with him? Um, so there's really that tendency to to judge, um, so you have to really be careful of that. Um, and another thing is that you'll easily believe that this is not a gift because it's not a listed gift. But if you look through scriptures, there's a lot of people who just have this gift of interceding and they have this passion to love people. And I really do think that it is a gift. So that's something to be mindful of. Um, you might have a hard time believing that something so simple can be a spiritual gift, but it's not simple. It is so powerful. And there's so much love involved with praying for people. And I think like that's something to remember that there's so much power in prayer. Um, you may struggle with defining the difference between prayer as a discipline and intercessory prayer as a gift. So I'm hoping that as I talk about this gift that you guys would kind of come to understand the difference between the two. Um, yeah, so be careful of how you share your prayers. Be mindful of what's encouraging and what's meant to be kept between you and the Lord. Because God might reveal something to you that is so personal and so intimate, um, and maybe it's not meant to be shared. Um, on the same um, retrospect, um, when you share, be mindful of your motives. Are you sharing to boast in your prayers or are you sharing to encourage people? Um, that's huge because I feel like sometimes um, I start praying for people and I'm like, yeah, that sounded really good. Let me tell them. And then I send it to them. And then immediately after I'm like, oh, that was probably not meant to be shared. Um, and my motive was not in the right place. Um, oftentimes we're results oriented, um, especially if you've seen God answer prayers more frequently than others. Um, you just start to have this moment where you're like, oh man, I just feel like, why isn't God answering? Why isn't there results? And um, just because he's, he's shown you in other ways that he's um, really revealed how he is a part of answering prayers, it doesn't mean that that's what it's about. It's really about giving God all the glory. Um, I have a story with Michelle. My friend Michelle's here. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I called her a couple years ago um, when I became a new believer. And I called her and I was like, hey, I really want to pray for you. So I started praying for her. And it became super specific, and I didn't really know where it was going, um, and I didn't really think, um, I wasn't sure if it was going to have any impact. Um, it did have an impact, and it did convict her, but there was no tangible change. Um, and I was kind of like, okay, that's fine. Um, and a uh, couple years later, in 2013, Michelle came to know Christ again. And um, so it's just a testament to how prayer is powerful. And it wasn't just my prayer. It was a community of people praying for her. Um, and that God is answering and he's working. Um, but it might not happen the way that you think. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, it's about praising the Lord. Um, but remember to spend time with God and just enjoy him and let him enjoy you and just have, just commune with the Lord and not only intercede for people. Um, that's so key. So yeah, so moving on to how do I encourage those who have this gift? All right, church, 
encourage them by giving testimonies. That's huge. Just talking about how um, God has worked um, through prayer. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about, you know, oh, God answered prayers, but how God moves through prayer and how he moves your heart. Um, that's super encouraging for me when people tell me about that. Um, don't just say, oh, man, that was awesome. Like, it felt so good. Um, like, that's encouraging too, but it's not, it's so much better to bring people alongside you and keep people updated in how, what's going on with your life. Um, remind them of how prayer has impacted you, and it'll just put you in a position of rem remembering God's faithfulness. Um, and that is a huge encouragement when we think about how it's all about God and what he's done. So, how is Jesus our model? Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped about this. Okay, so Jesus is the ultimate intercessor. Jesus' whole life was about having the Father's heart. The truth is that the significance of Jesus isn't because he was a good person with great ideas of how to live a better life, but Jesus allows us to be reconciled with the Father. So it's just huge to think about how his whole life was holy and blameless and perfect in obedience. And through his death and resurrection, we now can be seen as holy and blameless before the Father. That is intercession. That is how he just interceded for us. And I just want to look at Romans um, 5. And um, I'm not going to read all of it. But if you go to verse 17... It says, for if because of one man's trespass, death re reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in, in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespasses led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So I know that's kind of wordy, but just this idea that God died on the cross so that we can have righteousness, not because of anything we've done, but because of who Jesus is. And we can just rely on that and just stand in that truth. And that is intercession. That is God, Jesus interceding for us. Um, the Father sent Jesus so that we can be with him. Um, and he's an intercessor because of our fallibility. We just can't be with the Father. Um, but through Jesus, like, God made the impossible possible. And actually, this is crazy, but Jesus is praying for us right now as we speak. He, in scriptures through Hebrews 7.25, he is just interceding for us right now. So if you're comforted knowing that somebody in our church is praying for you, be confident and be assured that Jesus is praying for you. Like, how cool is that? So that's something to really, I just really want you guys to reflect on that and remember that. Um, and Jesus is our interceder. So that's something that we can stand firm on. So some final thoughts is that, you know, interceders believe that the best possible, most powerful way to love you is by praying for you. And so every prayer that they have is out of love and affection for you. And that's really what it means to love the body and prayers, like intercessors pray with their heart. Um, and that's so beautiful. And um, sometimes the love is so deep that, they may not have the right words or they don't know how to pray. And what's awesome is that in scripture, um, in Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts know what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's so exciting for me to think that the Spirit intercedes and that we don't need to know what to say all the time. So with that said, I'm going to invite Jamie to come up and talk about the gift of tongues. Good job. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. I, I call her Asian Jamie. <laughs> I'm Caucasian Jamie. Um... That was very, very helpful. Thank you. I am going to dock you a few points for going over time, though. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Relax. You did a great job. 
Um, we, but in saying that, we don't have a ton of time and, uh, to unpack these next two gifts. And on top of that, as Mike already said, they're probably the most controversial gifts of all of them. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's, let's get into it. Uh, and also, because of that, I'm just going to stick to the script um, in order for us to get, every, get through everything. Um, okay, so before we get too far into it, uh, does anyone in the room here think that they have or believe that they have the gift of tongues? So raise your hand. Okay. Anyone here believe they have the gift of the interpretation of tongues? No? Oh, man, that's too bad, because I was, I was going to preach the whole thing in tongues, <laughs> and then have you come up and interpret it just to test you. So that's too bad. Okay, but seriously, first things first, when you think of tongues in your mind, honestly, seriously, do you think shoulda bought a Honda? Okay, that totally went, this is going to be very interesting this morning, because that totally went over everyone's head. Shoulda bought a Honda is like, shoulda bought a Honda? Okay, wow, we're just not even gonna go there. <laughs> Come talk to me about it afterwards. It's a nice little intro, side joke for those who, uh, who do speak in tongues. It's definitely a strange gift. It's had a pretty bad rap over the years. It's misunderstood, it's misused, misused, and most of us would probably rather keep it at a safe distance. But hopefully I can at least begin to dismantle some of the negative perceptions that are surrounding it. Now it's possible that I might say a few things that you have you questioning, maybe even flat out disagree with, and that's totally okay. Just email all your questions and issues to mike at trinitylife.ca and he will take care of the rest. Okay, let's look at the common script here. The spiritual capacity to reveal God's greatness by speaking in an unlearned language, human or angelic, a spontaneous, self-controlled utterance that results in praise and adoration towards God. When operating in this gift, you often feel the need to worship God or pray to him in words too deep for the mind to comprehend. You desperately want to connect with him and tell of his greatness, but you lack the words to say or pray. So let's just, ta- let's just start by tackling that first half, okay? The spiritual capacity to reveal God's greatness by speaking in an unlearned language human or angelic. So what are we doing? We're audibly speaking, we're speaking out of the greatness, faithfulness, kindness of God in a language that we've never learned before, a human or angelic language. So for the majority of that, hopefully we're able to follow it, but the first thing I want to address is the distinction between the two types of tongues. And yes, there are two types of tongues. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So here we're taught that there are two kinds of tongues. The tongues of men, which is a human language, and the tongues of angels, which is a spiritual language. They are different, and they have different purposes. So let's start with the tongues of men, and as some might call them, earthly tongues. We find this example in Acts chapter 2, where the disciples are gathered in one place, And uh, on the day of Pentecost, it says, they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, again, we don't necessarily have time to dive deep into this passage, but basically, the Holy Spirit comes and fills the disciples, and they begin to speak in tongues. And as they're doing this, the onlookers, it says, uh, a group of devout Jewish men from from every nation under heaven, So basically a collective mix of people who all spoke in different languages. So the onlookers were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So these guys were like, what is going on here? These these guys are all Galileans. How the heck are we hearing them and understanding them in our own native language? And then some of the other people were like, nah, these guys are just like half in the bag. They're just slurring their speech because they're drunk. And then after that, Peter gets up and basically spanks them all and just tells them what's actually going on and sets them straight. So that's basically our first biblical encounter with the gift of tongues. And more specifically, the tongues of men, or earthly tongues. Somebody, so someone speaks in a language unknown to them, and another person hears it in their native language. 
I'll actually give you a modern day example of this later on. Um, but let's now move on to the second type, which is the tongues of angels, or it could also be referred to as spiritual tongues. And for this, we'll go to Acts chapter 19, where Paul's in Eph- Paul is in Ephesus, and he comes to some disciples, and it says that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And again, we don't have the time necessarily to get in and unpack this, especially um, you know, the long-lived debate surrounding baptism in the Spirit. But basically what we see here is, starting in verse 5, it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So here you've got a dozen or so men who had already believed and repented and had been baptized by John, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So then right there on the spot, Paul prays and lays his hands on them that they might receive the Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit comes and fills them. And that's when they start operating in this gift. And they were pretty stoked, rightfully so. They immediately start prophesying and praising God in tongues in a spiritual prayer language that they had never learned. So that account reveals a different type of tongues. And that time it was the tongues of angels or spiritual tongues. Someone is filled with the Spirit, and they start praising God in the Spirit, and there's more than likely not anyone around hearing them in their own language. It's just meant to be between God and the individual who's praying. Okay, so there are some distinctions between the two, tongues of men, tongues of angels. One is an earthly language, and the other is a spiritual language. And like I said, I will give you some examples, some modern-day examples of both of these in just a few minutes. But let's, uh, let's first go back to the screen and uh, tackle the back half of this description. Okay, so the spiritual capacity to reveal God's greatness by speaking in an unlearned language, human or angelic. We covered that. Now, a spontaneous, self-controlled utterance that results in praise and adoration towards God. So one, spontaneous it's off the cuff. It's not rehearsed. It's, it happens in the moment. It's also self-controlled. And this is a pretty big misconception when it comes to speaking in tongues. One second here. Many people, myself included when I first wasn't quite sure, um, many people actually think that operating in this gift means the Holy Spirit comes and basically takes over your body, takes control of your mouth, and that's how you start speaking in tongues. That is completely inaccurate. It's unbiblical. And like I said, I'll admit, I actually used to think that's kind of how it was. And it's probably why so many people are so skeptical of the gift. Um, But anytime you read, see, or hear anything that talks about the Spirit overtaking you, or you losing control, that's not from God. When it comes to all spiritual gifts, we are all very much in control. In fact, self-control is one of the what? Fruits of the Spirit. So why would God say that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, but then give us a gift that results in us losing control? It just doesn't make sense, right? So 1 Corinthians 14.32 says, the spirits of the prophets, oh yeah, this is helpful kind of when just kind of reinforcing the the fact that we're in control. Um, 14.32 says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. This means that we are in control when we operate in spiritual gifts. And there's no exception when it comes to tongues. It doesn't mean that we create the gift. It doesn't mean that we dictate even what the gifts are used for. It just means that ultimately it's up to us to release the gifts when and where we feel best suited. So all that to hopefully dispel the belief that we are not in control when we speak in tongues or when we interpret tongues or for any spiritual gift for that matter. Okay, so a spontaneous self-controlled utterance or message that results in the adoration, or sorry, that results in praise and adoration towards God. I've been drinking water all morning and the more I drink, the drier my mouth gets. (laughs) What is up with that? (laughs) Um, So the ultimate purpose here is that we are glorifying God. That's the main objective. Speaking in tongues is just another tool that we can use to worship and praise an almighty God in a way that's beyond our comprehension. 
Maybe you've had times where in worship or in prayer where you just can't seem to find the words to say or to pray. And like as Jamie explained during, maybe you're praying for someone and you're just not quite sure what to pray. Um, Tongues can help you. By praying in the Spirit, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf, just as we, we read in Romans 8. It's a tool to help us express our gratitude and our thankfulness when we become hindered by our own vocabulary. Um, I found that really helpful. I actually came up with it, but I found it really helpful. I was just like, wow, that actually, I felt like it was a bit of a revelation from the Lord when I was rehearsing because I'm like, that, that's what it is. It's like it's a tool to help us express our gratitude and thankfulness when we become hindered by our own words, our own vocabulary. We run out of things to say. But just to close that, ultimately, it's supposed to result in glorification. Um, in the glorification to God. Are we tracking with that? Is, is this hopefully making some sense? So here are a few modern-day examples. Um, this, this is an example of tongues of men. So extremely dear friends of ours who are actually, I think, going to be here next week at the church and who also just happen to be Sarah Campbell's parents. Sarah here? And she's not. Okay. <laughs> so number two, that's just totally woo. Anyways, if you guys haven't met Sarah and Mikey, they're awesome. And uh, uh, so Sarah's mom, Elaine, has an incredible story, uh, incredible testimony of this gift being played out at a church they were visiting in England a few years ago. And instead of me butchering the story, I got her to write it out, and I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, So here it is. This is Elaine speaking, and it says, I guess I would preface this testimony with the fact that for close to 37 years, I have been speaking in tongues, both in my private prayer life, as well as in public church gatherings, where I might have a tongue and or interpretation. And let me just say that I don't believe those 37 years earns me the right to do it. It merely, merely that it sorry, merely that they have given me a lot of time to practice the gifts. So in June of 2016, we were visiting Emmanuel Church in Durham, England. I wasn't particularly feeling a part of the worship time in an unusual way, but I was seeking to connect with the Lord. Fairly suddenly, I was so aware of his presence, and I felt a prompting to sing out, to sing a song in tongues, and then to also give the interpretation. Normally, I would wait for others to interpret, And this was a church context where the gifts were very familiar, and there would have likely been someone to to interpret. But so after consulting the elder in charge of the meeting, I went forward and I began to sing out in tongues. Then I paused, and then I began to sing the interpretation, to which the response was an outburst of praise to God from the entire church. During a break in that same meeting, just before the preaching had began, a young student came up to me, and she was clearly quite shaken. She explained that she was an exchange student from New Zealand, and that although she was Caucasian, she knew the Maori language, which is a a Polynesian language from an Aboriginal group in New Zealand. She said that not only had I first sung out in the Maori language, but that when I gave the interpretation, it was the exact English translation of the Maori language. She was so overwhelmed. She started texting her friends back in New Zealand, telling her that she was visiting this church and that some lady had just started singing out in Maori and then interpreting it in English. So God really impacted her life as a result of me stepping out and using this gift. I now look back and feel what a privilege it was to be a part of it. That's amazing. And that that actually happened. And there's nothing that we can do to explain it away. It was supernatural. And the church was edified and built up because of it. I love, too, where she said the part that after she gave the interpretation, the church just went nuts, praising God. That's so good. I love it. And that was even before anybody knew what had actually happened with the exchange student. So that's a modern-day example of someone using the tongues of men, also in interpretation, which we'll get to later. Here is, um, here's, an exa- here's my own example of testimony when it comes to um, tongues, uh, spiritual tongues. So, back in 2011, 2012, um, whatever, one of those years, we were in, a middle, we were in the middle of a Canadian-wide conference um, at our church in Owen Sound, and during one of the lunch breaks, our friends who were staying with us, their names are Reese and Sarah, 
Um, they had asked Joanna and myself, have you guys ever received the gift of tongues? And we both said no. And so then we started talking about it and kind of dissecting it and getting into it. And we actually spent, I think we skipped the afternoon sessions because we spent a few hours doing it. And it's not like we were against it. It's just that we didn't know much about it. So Reese and Sarah, I mean, they were so gracious to spend that afternoon with us and walk us through what it meant, what it looked like, and why this is a gift that we should all aspire to have and use. Then came the time, which I knew was coming, where Reese said, we need to pray that you would receive the gift of tongues. And by this point, I mean, I am absolutely dreading this moment because even though they had done such a great job explaining it, I was still a bit skeptical. And I knew that what was about to unfold was going to be super uncomfortable. And this is happening in our living room, right? So it's probably the safest place. It's just the four of us. But yet I knew it was going to be uncomfortable. I also knew that I wasn't going to fake it because what's the point? So either something crazy was going to happen or nothing at all. Either way, it was going to be <laughs> really uncomfortable. So they started praying for me first. They prayed for Joanna after. And, and then they're, so they're praying and they're asking for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me. And then they start praying in tongues themselves and they just keep praying that the Holy Spirit would come. And what felt like an hour was probably only three to five minutes. But suddenly I started to feel something rising up in my throat, like an actual manifestation of something, almost like I was getting ready to throw up. I immediately knew without a shadow of a doubt, that this was the Spirit urging me to start praying in tongues and to start speaking out. But I was like, nope. I'm not doing this. It looks and sounds ridiculous, and I've never done it before, and I'm just not going to do it. So I actually kept suppressing that feeling. And you know, when, you, when you're going to get sick and you keep suppressing it, it just, it just makes it worse. You just need to let it happen. So finally, it came to the point we're literally, uh, and I know this maybe contradicts a little bit when I talk about, you know, being in control. I was in control, but literally I felt my mouth just opening, and out came me praying in tongues. And you know what? It was weird. It was totally weird, and it was not very smooth, and it wasn't poetic. It was just weird. But there was such a release that had taken place, that took place, and I felt like God was just wanting me to trust him. I felt like he had given me this gift and wanted me to develop it because he knew that ultimately it would help me to connect with him on another level. And so for the next few weeks in my own personal prayer time, I continued to practice and develop the gift until it became quite natural for me. And so now, today, like in current time, present time, when I begin to pray, oftentimes I will start by praying in tongues, just as a way to get started and get connected to God. And I'll keep praying that way until something comes into my mind that I can pray about in English. And as long, this is, this is important, I believe, as long as I have something in my mind that I can pray for in English, I will. But then when it kind of empties and I'm back to a place of, of sort of a blank slate, I'll go back to praying in tongues. And I'll just keep doing that during my prayer time. I actually feel like this method, if you can call it that, actually coincides with uh, Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians 14, the part where he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. And even, excuse me, even though that particular instruction was meant for public church gatherings, excuse me, and he specifically was speaking about the interpretation of tongues, I actually feel this applies to our personal prayer times. So hopefully that's a, a helpful little tidbit there. Okay, wow, we really got a motor. Um, again, hopefully some of that's making sense. That's tongues. Um, we're going to move on to the interpretation of tongues. There's so much more I would love to say and kind of talk about, and I, I welcome you guys to, at any point, just come and talk to me or anyone else who has this, has this gift uh, even that in itself, I actually, this is, this is going to make a statement right now, it's not in the script. Um, I actually believe that everyone who is a believer who has the Holy Spirit in them already has this gift. Um, so I'm just going to leave that right there. And uh, I'm not going to go any further with it, but feel free to come up and talk to me, and I would love to kind of dive more into it. So let's go to 
Um, let's go, let's, it's, it's actually that last bit was a good segue into our next gift, which is uh, the interpretation of tongues. So the common script says the spiritual capacity to reveal God's greatness, okay, same, by clearly communicating the utterance of an individual speaking in tongues to all who are present. When operating in this gift, you're witness to an individual publicly speaking in tongues, and you feel and understand that what is being said. When you share what you feel the message is, others affirm it, and it leads to the building up of the church. So I purposely decided not to give this gift as much time because I feel it's a bit more intuitive or self-explanatory than tongues. So let's just sort of jump right into the application side of things. So in that middle section of 1 Corinthians 14, starting around verse 6, Paul is essentially saying, if you're going to bring a tongue into a, into a, a gathering, a church gathering, you, you need to also bring an interpretation. So basically, unless the entire body is going to benefit from what you're about to bring, then there's really no purpose in it. And so his answer to this is, or his instructions are in verse 13, the one who speaks in a tongue should also pray that he may interpret. So by this, it's obvious that the same person who speaks in tongues can also be the one to bring the interpretation. Or it can be someone else. It can be anybody who heard the message in tongues and feels they understood what was being said. And in my opinion, this is actually the best case scenario because it becomes more of a collective. It's more of a collective effort from the body and it's not just one person using both gifts. Also, let me just say that there can be more than one interpretation. There's no right or wrong answer with this. So if a couple of people have interpretations, that's totally great, that's totally good. And typically they would build off of one another and they would both be working in the same overall theme. But regardless of who brings interpretation, an interpretation, it needs to happen. Now, this really only needs to happen in a public gathering like this, like church. So when I'm in my own personal space, praying to God in, in tongues, do I need Joanna to come in and start interpreting? No, because it's not meant for anybody except for myself and for the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is already interceding and interpreting for me. So when it comes to the application of the gift, you're really ever only going to see this um, in a gathering of some sort. And again, we're talking about the interpretation of tongues. So maybe it's a small group or a, like a body life collective or a worship gathering. Now, I have been in gatherings where everybody, everybody's praying in tongues and the place is just lit. I mean, it's just like off the wall. Um, so what do you do in that scenario? Most, most people will just watch. It's just like, what in the world is going on? Um, well, you're not gonna, you're not gonna run, around, run around the room interpreting everybody. Uh, you just need to kind of let it happen. It's basically a moment where you have a collective of individuals uh, all praising God separately. Uh, so you don't really need to interfere with it because it's personal. And uh, it doesn't usually last that long, and it's just, again, a spontaneous eruption of praise that starts to happen, and you just go with it. Now, that being said, Paul also goes on to say in verses 18 and 19, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So I personally agree with this. Um, I personally feel that unless you're convinced this is something that's meant for the entire church, speaking of tongues, right, um, I feel you should just keep it to yourself. Keep your tongue to yourself, like quite literally. <laughs> or better yet, do what Paul says, pray that God will give you the interpretation so that the entire church will be built up and encouraged. It's kind of a fine line. Um, you don't want to miss out what God potentially wants to do with this. But at the same time, you, we can't be running to the mic every time we want to pray in tongues or we'll just never get anywhere. You know, so um, it's really discern, it's a discernment thing. So let's just let's wrap up here. We're kind of running out of time, but let's just wrap up um, with the gift of interpreting tongues and how it can actually play out. How do I know if I have an interpretation? 
Well, unless you've actually heard someone praying or speaking in tongues, you probably don't know if you can operate in this gift because you've never heard anything in need of interpretation. But in a nutshell, you get a sense, a sense of what is being said when someone prays or sings out in a tongue. So let's say you're in a gathering and you're worshiping God and then someone begins to pray out in this unknown language. And as they continue to pray, something inside of you which is essentially the Holy Spirit, starts to translate or unfold this message of God's goodness and greatness and faithfulness. I don't necessarily mean a word-for-word translation. I just mean a sense of the overall theme of the message. And the more you hear them pray, the clarity of the message that you're feeling within becomes stronger. And then it becomes so evident that this is what is being prayed about in the Spirit. You see how it works? And at this point, more than likely, your senses are extremely heightened. You're probably nervous. You're probably even shaking a bit. And you're going to fight the urge to bring it forward. Well, why, why is that? Again, it's because it's weird. This is, not, this is not normal. This isn't the norm for us. And it's pushing us out of our comfortable Sunday morning church pews to do something that just isn't natural for us. But be encouraged. Be encouraged that if that happens and you feel you have that interpretation, bring it forward so the whole church can be encouraged and built up and edified. Because look what happens when these gifts work together in their proper order and function. An exchange student from New Zealand has her life flipped upside down for the better. She will never, ever forget the day when God showed up and supernaturally met with her in that church. These are faith-building moments that happen because the church is stepping out of our comfort zone and operating in the gifts that our Heavenly Father has given us. Does that all make sense? Awesome. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good, good Father who gives good gifts to his children. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us instructions to to how to to use them and how to go about uh, releasing these gifts. And so, Father, I pray that um, all of the things that have been said here this morning, either from Jamie or myself, um, Lord, that they would resonate. And if they're not of you, God, I pray that you just burn them up and they, just, they wouldn't remain in people's minds. But uh, if they are, and we believe that these words are from you, Lord, that they would remain and that they would bring clarity to, um, to these gifts who, that, tend to be, that tend to be controversial. So, Father, ultimately, again, we come back to the fact that this is all about you. This is all about um, glorifying your name and and praise and adoration towards you. So we don't want to lose sight of that, God. But we thank you that you give us good gifts and that you're with us every step of the way by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.